Today I'm super excited to have a very interesting guest and I can absolutely assure you the energy in this episode is going to be amazing. Um, I've been following Britney for, for a while now and she's such a, a interesting, creative, but also an expert in the design sprints and creativity and content management, such a polyedric creative. So I'm super excited to have her in the podcast. I really don't know where this is going to go. And we just need to figure it out. My name is Gianluca Cinquepanni. You're listening to GLC Live, my podcast dedicated to business design. I'm an educator, design entrepreneur, and best-selling author. This show is dedicated to designers, creatives, and entrepreneurs that, like me, want to inspire, challenge, and disrupt their industry. In this episode, Brittany Bowery. Ciao, Brittany. How are you? Thank you for being here. Ciao! I'm uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so fantastic to have. So Brittany, like like I was saying, you you are a very eclectic creative, and you do yeah. so many things, and it's so amazing to have you here. You've been working for AJ and Smart in doing creative workshops. You are a content expert on the internet. You are a comedian. You're a podcaster. (laughs) So (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do and how can you juggle so many balls? (laughs) Gosh, when you when you line it up like that, it really reminds me how many how many things um, I have going on or how many things I'm doing. And I don't always recommend that um, to people. (laughs) I am trying to project um, like to to. encourage people to have a little bit more focus in their work. And through that, I'm like, Brittany, get yourself some focus for gosh sakes. But anyway, uh, I guess if you, if I were to sum up what I'm doing right now, uh, what I do professionally, I would call myself um, a content strategist, a workshop facilitator, and a comedian. Um, <laughs> oh, although I feel silly say, calling myself a comedian since it's been so long since I've been on stage uh, because of the pandemic, it's all been pretty much at a standstill. Um, but I still identify as a comedian. I'm still, uh, you know, I think it's important people know that they're not going to get a super serious uh, person when they interact with me. Um, But yeah, I'd say that sums it up. You know, I do a lot of different things, but they're all kind of around, like I think you did such a great job of describing it. It's all kind of around creativity um, and and stuff. So that's what I love to do. And uh, I like to have fun while I do it. So that's kind of the vibe. So how did you start this passion for comedy? I mean, I I don't have that passion, but I've been on stage either as an educator or, you know, doing uh, speeches and stuff like that. I, I wouldn't define myself as a super serious person as well, but I know how hard it is. So in reality, comedians are, are, are a tough person. Is a is a tough career to to go towards, and and there is a lot of work to be done, and especially when you, I think it's it's very sensitive because you're trying to make people laugh, and you know mm-hmm. if you're doing a business presentation and people, you, you know, you make a joke, people don't laugh, it's okay. It's like okay, whatever. I'm doing, you know, another. Uh, uh, I'm giving I, them I'm something giving else. Them something else. Yeah. But when you do it, then that happens. Is is kind of scary, right? It's literally the worst possible thing that can happen uh, when you're doing stand-up comedy for nobody to laugh at your joke. Um, But it happens. It definitely happens. I mean, how I got into it, I guess, um, a lot of people who, um, like I've I've always, uh, like you, maybe really loved being on stage and always really, you know, I was always involved in drama at school and I was always kind of being silly uh, with my friends, you know, if we would get our little, like those big, you know, those old big home video cameras and we would like make movies and just crazy stuff. So I was always kind of doing stuff like that, but it never occurred to me that I would ever do stand-up comedy. I always loved stand-up comedy. I always would go to shows. I always watched a ton of it. Never for a second thought that I could do it myself. And then um, a fr- it was a friend of mine, actually, who kind of suggested it when I, I was at a show with her. And she was like, you know, you know, maybe you should try doing this. You know, you're always ma- like, you know, uh, you're always telling stories and making people laugh like when we're together. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Um, I, I mean, at first, of course, I was like, absolutely not. What are you crazy? Um, and then the seed was planted. It was like this weird thing where I was like, well, if I did do it, what would I do? And I started writing 
Um, yeah. a set for myself and I was like well I'd tell these stories and I would talk about this um, and I started writing it all down and then I did it and the first time I did it it was the best feeling <laughs> I think <laughs> like I still haven't had that feeling again it's like it's almost like a drug oh, you wow. know you do it and yeah, you're like, like I'm still the adrenaline rush, right? yeah the adrenaline and just the feeling and when people when a big room is laughing at something that you you know are that you wrote down and you, you know, this, that success is so cool to feel. Um, and I've always been into writing as well. So I've always mm. really loved writing stories and stuff like that. So it, there was a, you know, it kind of made sense, although it was a bit of a leap. Um, but yeah, and the, like the rest is kind of history. It's just sort of something that I do on the side. I've never really explored like doing it professionally okay. um, in the sense of, yeah, making it a living my whole out of it, career. Yeah. yeah, I just said, I, I, yeah, for a, a few reasons that we don't need to get into, but basically, <laughs> I just I'm not going to pursue that. But I really want it to be a part of, of a, kind of like a hobby and something that I work on. I do have a super funny story if you want to hear of, of one course. one specific speech that I gave, and I was in Macau, which is a little island off to uh, Hong Kong. And it was quite a serious environment. I was giving a speech on creativity and design. And the funniest thing was um, the organizer, they actually uh, told me, oh, you don't worry, you know, because I, I couldn't speak Chinese at the time. And uh, I was just saying, look, my content is in English. So, you know, no, don't worry. The few people that are there that are going to be Chinese speaker, they are, they're going to have headphones so don't worry you know 80 percent of the audience is going to be english speaking no problem oh, no. so i arrive <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so i arrive at the venue and i look and you could you could have you know literally see you know left side was the we call it guilos right the the, the white people <laughs> okay <laughs> and yeah in, in, and then on the right side were all the local people and right. I was terrified and I was like, oh my God, this is not going to go well. And so I started giving my presentation. I remember clearly this moment where I had a small joke. Uh, and at one point you start hearing all the left side laugh. And I was like, oh my God, I did something wrong. And then after three seconds, all the right side laughed because they were <laughs> listening to it. Cute. Oh, and I, I love was that. Like, they were listening to the translation. <laughs> that, that went well, but it was surreal. It was such a, such a, such a strange. That yeah. would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because the one thing about giving a presentation, about doing comedy, about anything where I think you're like speaking to a group of people is you really, the ideal scenario is when they're really like together, you know, like they're following yes, you at the same time and they're, you know, they're, they're coming with you on your storytelling and they're getting excited when you're excited and they're getting serious when you're serious. like, that's the whole vibe. So I can imagine that that would have been really challenging. Well, can you, can you say it's actually the same thing that the best workshops that, that you, you do, they are the same when you have an audience that actually follows you is much better than when totally. you have this pushback or, or doubt or really uh, deep <laughs> peaks of uh, silence, I would say. And now, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> have you Big been, time. Have you been doing a lot of uh, workshops remotely lately? So many, so <laughs> many, Gianluca. Like, I mean, it's basically what happened was um, right before the pandemic hit, um, I had a whole, I was just kind of, um, kicking off my first year of freelancing. So I was like setting up all these projects. I had so many travel plans. It was hilarious. Like I was like almost every month I was planning on doing two trips. So it was kind of, it was going to be really a really hectic year of a lot of workshops, a lot of trainings, a lot of these nice. kind of things. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit and it was like, Oops, just kidding. <laughs> Everything's canceled, you know, and a couple things actually were 100% canceled, of course. But then I convinced a couple of clients to try doing it remotely with me just by being like, oh, no, we can do this remotely. And all the while having no idea how <laughs> no I was going to do that. I was like, <laughs> I have no clue, right? I was like, yeah, I don't know. Last, um, last year I did the same. It was crazy. Yeah. I yeah. did a mix one. And then I... I 
Ooh, I'm going to tell you tell later. Tell me about that. Yeah. No, tell me but about so, that now. So it, it was super weird. So the client wanted me to be on site, but we okay. couldn't, you know, we need for the distancing, right? So. Right. And so basically we were doing the workshop on the computer. So with mm -hmm. Miro or Mural. So yes. like not, no sticky notes, but I was there and people were also <laughs> remote. So it was a total mess. And, and then people started weird. talking and I was like. I can't do this because I was That's so trying. Strange. So yeah, it was strange because we had two screens and looking at the people that were in remote and then the other people in the room. And I was like, this is the weirdest one I ever done yet. Totally. Yeah, that's super Don't do bizarre. It. Don't do it. I mean, I've never tried anything like that yeah. before. Don't. I've only had the instance where sometimes I'll be doing something remote and um, a couple people are at the office, like at their office. And so they're, but they're in their own kind of areas or whatever. And then sometimes they'll like walk into each other's videos and that's a little weird too, but whatever. I, I, I basically really jumped into the remote thing because out of necessity, obviously, I was like, okay, I'm a freelancer. <laughs> so there's really, this is like my only option in order to make sure that I can continue to pay my rent. So I was like, okay, I'm doing everything remote. And I just kind of figured it out along the way. I learned so much uh, yes. last year and still continue to learn about yeah. remote work. But I, I believe it's going to be a huge driver for change. I also did a couple of lectures in university and I have to say that I believe the, the whole education system is going to change. Oh, yeah. But I hope it does. I, I really do think that there is so much value in being in presence. And, and I understand I, I wouldn't put anybody at risk, and, and I totally respect that. But on the other side, you lose so much interaction. You lose so much of nonverbal communication that it, it just doesn't happen on the other side yeah. i've been doing a lot of podcasts a lot of conference calling and i got to meet people that i never met before and it's so easy now this is the thing i've actually been able to work with a lot of clients that like on specific projects where they just wouldn't have they wouldn't have paid for me to fly across the world to work with them but True. since it was like well they have to do it remotely anyways so we might as well just work with whoever you know yeah we like whoever yeah. we want to work with yeah so then i got to work with some really cool big companies that i would probably not have had the chance to as well one thing that i, that I have to say about your uh you talking about being in person and the kind of that that feeling and energy that you get i um gosh was i reading this Yes, I was reading an article recently and um, it was talking really super interesting about why it's so exhausting mm -hmm. doing these, all yeah. these Zoom calls yeah. or whatever. And the one thing that really stuck out when I was reading this was that the thing that we, we do as humans when we're having any kind of human interaction, so me and you talking over yeah. video right now, or if I'm, you know, talking to my friend, having coffee. So our subconsciously, our minds are constantly, when it comes to how exhausting something is, we're basically assessing the, co the cost versus rewards of that interaction. Mm -hmm. So when I'm meeting my friend for coffee, uh, the cost, of course, I'm giving out energy because I'm like talking and I'm whatever, but I'm getting so much back because I'm True. getting the eye contact. I'm getting that like kind of that energy exchange of just being in the same room as somebody, those nonverbal cues, I can see those. So that's giving me energy. Whereas in video, you literally just get none of that. True. Like you said, we don't get any of those cues. So that's why it's so exhausting because we we're giving so much more energy and we're getting so much less back. Mm. And I just found that once I figured that out, I was like, oh, that's why. Because I was like, I was like, is it because I keep looking at myself in video True. trying to like, is that why I'm so tired all the time? <laughs> but it's not. It's literally because we're not getting anything back. I actually it. got, uh, I read an article from a friend of mine uh, from Automatic, which is, uh, she's a manager in Automatic. Automatic is the company that does WordPress. And they oh, have okay. 13,000 people and the company is 100% remote. So mm -hmm. they've been pioneers in this. And she wrote this ama amazing article about, uh, you know, the fatigue and the stress. And one of the uh, suggestions that, that my friend gave was actually to turn off your own screen 
so that you don't you don't overthink because if yeah. I'm looking at you but I'm not looking at me I'm not truly concerned about oh how do I look or how do I sound etc so this was was yeah. an interesting insight but I still want to see you. So what I would do then maybe is I would like change, you know, instead of turning off my screen is I would like change it so that I can only see your video or sure, something sure. like move the, the <laughs> window. Move the I should window. do that actually. Oh, there we go. I've moved the window now. All I can see is you and not myself. Perfect. Interesting. So <laughs> let's tell me a little bit about your experience in AJ and Smart. I mean, one of the internet sensation of of uh, design sprint and design sprint yeah. workshops. So yeah, well, was... that was my job. So I'm happy that we are an internet sensation <laughs> um, because that was one one of my jobs. So it's a small agency, um, still is and was when I was there. Um, so we, a lot of us, you know, wore multiple hats, as they say. Sure. So I had basically two main jobs. One of my jobs was to travel around the world and run trainings and um, help people learn how to do the design sprint, how to work a little bit more effectively with each other, um, you know, more efficiently, yada, yada. Um, that was really, really cool. Such a cool opportunity, um, getting to work with such cool, like big clients like Twitter and Google and Lufthansa and just these companies that were just sort of, to me, I was like, I'd never work with those companies, uh, or I never thought I'd get the chance to anyway. Um, so that was really cool. And then the other side of what I was doing there was I was, I mean, it was basically my job to make AJ and Smart famous. So awesome. we, you know, well, you we did a great we, job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was, that was um, a, like, I mean, f for a while, uh, that was my only position there. So there were kind of times where it was like full on. Um, we had a small team, so it was very high intensity. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really fun because we kind of went all in on content and actually worked really hard and invested a lot in building a brand and it paid off. Um, you know, AJ and Smart is one of these weird design agencies that, um, yeah, is somehow famous and gets a lot of sales, um, a lot of clients through social media and mm -hmm. from their social media presence. So it's pretty cool. So I, I've been following you also in your social media and you're doing amazing work. And this was one question that uh, I really, it, it really interests me. Do you believe that a platform like Instagram, for instance, um, could could really be a, a, an interesting platform also for businesses and not only for consumer businesses or like me. Now I'm I'm launching a new studio, which is a mix between innovation and business design studio. So mm -hmm. kind of serious topic, but not really. It's, it's all about innovation. So do you believe these yeah. platforms are actually viable for these kind of companies as well? I mean, uh, one bajillion percent. <laughs> um, yes, I believe that. So, I mean, I, 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 it's not just that I believe it, but I've seen how powerful it can be. Um, I get clients through Instagram um, and I'm a client services you know, person, I'm sure. a consultant, right? So I get a ton of clients and inquiries through Instagram. Um, I think that it is, uh, people are catching on, obviously. It's definitely a, a pretty flooded environment. Uh, there's a lot of people on Instagram. And I think that you need to be prepared to be a little bit more personal. I think often businesses mm. go on Instagram and they're like, we'll just put out some photos of our office and the yada yada, whatever. <laughs> like very basic kind of mm -hmm. very corporate um, materials. And that just doesn't work on these social media platforms. So you really, I think businesses need to do a little bit more groundwork in figuring out like, okay, who are we? What's our personality? And, you know, how can we get that across on True. the right channels? So I think that um, if you are launching a new business like you are, um, I think it would be silly for you not to be at least on one yeah, social sure. media platform sure, in sure, a big sure. way. No, because like you, you were saying, and I've been working with a lot of companies and startups, especially startups, uh, I'm doing a lot of advisory for them. And, uh, of course, if they are into business to business, the first platform is, um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it's crowded there too. So, uh, mm -hmm. and I believe 
Instagram or other more social platforms are a little bit more um, personal, and that's yeah. even scary for some some corporations because they don't want to show off their their personal side or they're not prepared to to do that. But maybe that's yeah. that's a branding problem because if you don't believe in what you are selling, I would say maybe and and maybe that's a that's a good moment for reflection saying okay if i had to do that what would i do right exactly <laughs> i think that it's um the when you're choosing like every business should in some form or another or another on some platform they should be present on social media like it's just you just have to mm-hmm. um right now so it's just a matter of figuring out what works for you and where your audience is that's True. what is always this kind of thing. Like you'd first of all, of course, want to be where your customers are, where your clients are. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, you know, if your clients aren't on TikTok, you shouldn't be on TikTok for your business. Mm-hmm. But um, you also want to choose a platform that you like to spend time on. Mm-hmm. Right. So I really that's that's where you're going to make the best content because you enjoy the platform. That's where, you know, you'll be able to actually engage with people and you won't be annoyed that you have to be on Twitter because you don't like Twitter or whatever, you know? So I think it's, it's fine. It's a, yeah, a balancing act between those Mm. two things. What do you think about Clubhouse now, the the new platform? Yeah, it's, uh, that's interesting. So I, I've been on it a couple of times. I've been a part of a couple of talks going on there and, um, it's not my, like, it's, I get it. I get, how cool it is. I totally, I think that it's something worth exploring if you're very, um, if you're inclined to kind of more in-depth conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's really cool about it is that Clubhouse is a place where you can actually have really in-depth audio, obviously audio only conversations with people much easier actually. And when you really think about it, it's actually difficult to connect with people through most social media platforms. You're always texting back and forth. There's no real direct communication unless you get on a live with them, but then you have to, it's the whole thing where you have to like, you know, the invite and everything. Whereas Clubhouse, you can literally just jump on and all of a sudden like, but that's the part where I guess maybe it was that I was just so uh, I wasn't ready for it because I went okay. on to Clubhouse and I joined a room and I was like, oh, what's going on here? And I knew some people who were in the room who were talking and then they're like, oh, Brittany's here. Great. And they like brought me onto stage <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> like transported into the and I was like, oh, hey. And like it was just such a strange thing because I was like in my pajamas on the couch talking about business. Whatever. Like it was yeah. just so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I I, I think that I, I'm curious to see how long it will stick around is it here to stay is it a bit of a fad i don't know um i know a lot of really cool content creators who are loving it and Mm. who are there all the time right now so that's usually a good indication (laughs) that it's (laughs) to to me it's really tiring because i'm already struggling to i mean i love the podcast form because I, I don't know. I just fall in love. And this is something you I start, like it. Yeah. You no, know, I actually started. This is a, another funny story. It started by by chance because my students, I, I published a book and a lot of my students were kind enough to support uh, support me and they bought the book. And, you know, after mm. six months or so, I asked them, did you read the book? No. So right. some 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 of my lecture were from the book. And they were like, nah, it's too complicated. I was like, Professor, why don't you just do a podcast? And I was like, podcast? Why would I do the podcast? Just read. And then yeah. and then a couple of them, they were like, oh, we want to start a podcast. And I was like, okay, can you help us? And I was like, I have no clue. Like, I absolutely have no clue how to start and what to do. But, you know, if you want to do this, like an extracurricular activity, I was always looking for those in, uh, you know, in engaging the students yeah. out of the the actual classroom, and and mm-hmm. so I said, okay, let's do it, let's try, and 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 so I started studying with them and playing with them, and now we are in season three. <laughs> so that, that is so cool. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's funny. So, Brittany, and um, how do you feel about? the the workshop experience and 
do you believe you know i was i was uh i as i was preparing for this talk with you i started thinking and i was like hey when did i do the first design thinking workshop and it's actually almost to date it's been 15 years oh my gosh <laughs> yes wow so, that's wild no it, it, it's it's funny and then and i was thinking how weird it is because after so many years that that was the first time i engaged and i was co-hosting a, a design thinking workshop not a design sprint at the time and uh, and you know two weeks ago i did one and there were managers in a big corporation they were wow oh, this is amazing and i was like this is not new you know um but and i feel also this pandemic also kind of fast forward this experience that people needed yeah. to be more creative because they they get into into a little bit of a slump um, yes. the way that they were working totally changed so their um their rhythm changed completely you know not going to the office or uh going you know twice a week or doing a, a, a really different dynamic i think in a way it changed the environment so people started kind of looking for alternative new ways can i be more creative etc so what's your take on that what's the power of this creative workshops design sprints um in your experience Whew, i mean big one I've right to, i've got a lot to say about that okay um, i'm gonna mute yeah. my mic now. yeah exactly just give me the floor here we go no mm. i um i do have a lot to say about it because i'm such a big believer in workshops um so the design sprint was how i got how i kind of discovered how powerful the work like a workshop can be in a business format so that was my first kind of yeah, my first experience with it. Then I started learning about design thinking. Then I started just building my own workshops and being like, wow, this is really cool. We can get so much done in so little time. So I think there's a couple of things going on when you have, when you're doing something like a workshop with a team. Um, and, and these reasons are basically the reasons why I love them so much, why I love workshops. Um, the one thing is that um, you really give everybody an opportunity to participate. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I just think is so important um, because I'm a pretty loud person and pretty boisterous. So I don't usually have a problem getting my point across or getting my idea heard. But there are a lot of people who aren't um, you know, as loud. And I think it's, you know, the amount of times I've been in a workshop and I'm like, I've got such a good idea. And then I see someone else's idea, someone who's usually a little bit quieter, who just kind of maybe has a bit, <laughs> does more thoughtful thinking, <laughs> mm -hmm. comes up with an idea that's just mind blowing. Right. So I think it's so important that sometimes we take a little step back from our average sort of meeting environment where it's like, anybody else have anything to say? And, it, you know, and it's just always the same people talking um, and bringing ideas to the table. So that's the first thing where it's like, let's give everybody the chance to talk and to contribute. The second thing is that we just really a lot of times meetings are a full blown nightmare and nothing ever happens True. in them. So there's no decisions made. There's no progress. You know, it's like at the end of the meeting, um, the whole, you know, we've just scheduled another meeting and we haven't gotten anywhere closer to our goal. So one thing that oh. I think workshops allow us to do is actually just cut the crap. Let's get together. Let's actually have a goal. Let's do it while we're sitting in the room together. Right. Um, I think a lot of people think they need to like retreat and do their own, you know, through their own process. But if you have a process in place that takes you through very systematically specific exercises, um, they're time boxed, you know, like there's a whole purpose and, and sort of there's a flow to it all. You're going to get so much done in so much less time. And True. that right now for me, um, it's super important. Like I don't want to spend my whole life working. I have a lot of other things that I want to do, you know? So as much as I love my work, I also love reading and I love True. going to shows and I love all these other things. So for me, it's really important that my that when I'm working, I'm getting something done. True. Um, gosh, I could go on and on. I guess um, 
Yeah, I mean, those would be my two big points, though, is everybody's getting heard. You know, we're collaborating in real time. We're getting things done and making making decisions. Absolutely. And maybe this is one of the driver that this um, pandemic brought, because I think um, one discussion I was having with a couple of people, it, it was we really need to change the way that we see work the fact the fact that somebody's sitting on a desk for eight hours and you're staring at their neck <laughs> is not necessarily a, an indication that they are actually producing the work and mm -hmm. if you change the way that you manage your people and you say look i need you to do or at least i need your function to do this by mm -hmm. this day with this performance you do it in five hours, great. You can have yeah. the rest of the week off. You do it in 10 days, that's a problem because I said that you have to do it in three days. And yeah. and and I, I see still how the way that we work needs to change, needs to evolve, needs to innovate. And mm -hmm. and maybe the, um, the first step is beginning with something as simple or as effective as, as a design sprint or any kind of yeah. creative workshop, because as we move along in, in the fourth industrial revolution, we will be less inclined to do repetitive work, but more creative work. So if, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you can sit down and in two hours really figure out the problem, and I was watching, what was I watching? This was amazing. Uh, or I was reading something. Um, I, no, I was reading this, um, this passage from a book from Daniel Pink um, on persuasion. And he was saying that in the era of data, we have to shift from problem solving, which in many cases, if you can figure out the problem, somebody somewhere has already solved it so you just need to figure out what that problem is yeah to problem finding that's the difficult part so identifying what is the problem that is holding you back that is not making you perform the way that you perform because uh, and i was thinking about this and i said it's true because you know at one one stupid example, I, I, I bought a new camera and the lens that I bought was not, uh, was not doing the thing that I wanted because simply it, it was too tight. It was a 50 mil instead of a 60 millimeter. So I didn't right. have enough space. And so I just, mm -hmm. you know, Google it and I was like, okay, how do I fix this? And they go, like, oh, buy this adapter. If you have another lens, put it together. And I was like, that's exactly it. Most of the problems are solved already. Yeah. You just need to identify right. what is that specific problem that is holding you back. And that's the, the most difficult part because once you identify the problem, you will figure out a way to solve it in, yeah. in one way or another. Let's put it this exactly. way, right? Then there are exactly. more sophisticated ways to do it, more clumsy way to do it. But I see a lot of corporations and a lot of companies that are suffering because they are not identifying what their problem is. And maybe yeah. these are the, the power of workshops. And, and Totally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the, the cool thing about workshops is it's really promoting the kind of human aspect. So a lot of like, of course, design thinking and even design sprints um, involve touching base with the user, right? With the person who you intend to present this to in the, at the end. So, and I think that's so, so powerful to get those insights into True. when you're building something, creating a service of whatever kind. Um, yeah, there's a lot, I'm working with this really, um, cool agency right now. And they always talk about how you need to really identify the, like what you're like, if you already have a product, you really need to know or service, you need to know what your users are actually going to it for, right? True. Like, what are they using it for? And it's deeper than to what, like to watch a video. And they always talk about this. And I think it's so cool. They always talk about this, um, uh, comparing YouTube and Netflix and YouTube is like the intended use is that users are going there to, to find videos. They want to be, um, 
they want to be distracted. Maybe they want, they invite, you know, new suggestions and they're up for that. So that's why it's structured the way that it is. That's why it's designed mm-hmm. like that. It's for people to, to, um, explore, let's say, sure. whereas Netflix is actually, it's not like, it's really cool. Cause Netflix, um, I can't remember his name, but he, you know, he's maybe the, maybe he's the like founder of Netflix or maybe he's just in charge of the product. But anyway, he talks about how Netflix actually their product is not, they're not competing with other video platforms, right? He talks about how they're competing with everything people do to relax. Um, And I think that's such a cool, uh, yeah, it's so cool. Anyways, I just got off off track a little bit there, but I think that's such a cool, uh, a cool sort of reminder for us that it's like, it's about more than what the user is doing. It's, it's, it's it's deeper than that. Yeah. In in innovation and um, it's, it's called the job to be done. Mm-hmm. You know. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. People exactly. Don't, <laughs> people don't buy services or products; they actually buy a better version of themselves. So that that's Oof, you like, like that. that one. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is cool. something. Then and a lot of companies. When when I talk about innovation, I also have this problem of trying to explain to them. And this is where I try to mix business design with the sprint. And the, and I always say, the, innovation is not something you really think about. It's either something you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you need to do it. You just need to start and, and get the ball rolling. And, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of companies are afraid of that. And th- they do need to, to change their, their approach. I do want yeah. to ask you though, what's the worst experience without names, of course, in <laughs> workshops or clients and what's the best one? Okay. That's a good question. <laughs> so I think that the worst experience I had in a workshop, I was brought in as an external facilitator. Um, and I was facilitating a workshop that involved my client. So a few people from my client side mm-hmm. and then a few people from their client side, if that makes sense. So I was coming in to facilitate, um, basically two companies coming together and they were working on a project together. And, um, I was just facilitating like a kind of like an intro session where we were kind of getting to know each other and we were exploring a few th- ideas and this kind of thing. And, um, I guess like what was so awful about it was that I am, um, you know, I, I'm known to be a little bit goofy or silly, you know, even in a corporate environment, but I also am professional. True. And there were some people in this workshop that were just so unbelievably unprofessional, (laughs) Um, it was really kind of crazy. I still am shocked by the kinds of things that they were saying and doing. Um, it just, it started to feel, and I've, I've taught, um, kids before, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I taught English, um, for a long time. And anyway, so it really, I started to feel like I was a teacher having to like reprimand (laughs) my students. It was so awful and just embarrassing as well, you know, because I was just like, is this really happening? Just like really childish making, like making stupid kind of like frat boy jokes to each other and this kind of stuff, like really terrible. Oh, and now I just thought of another one, but anyways, okay. (laughs) Please do. I mean, it's it's on the similar, (laughs) it's in the similar vein. I was, I was running a workshop at a very, very well-known and, um, high, how do we say like, just high end consultancy okay. firm. Okay. Right? Um, and, uh, and it was the same, th- it was very similar. Like th- I felt like I had a room of children and okay. I had to tell like, and there were maybe like 25 people in this workshop wow. and they were at like little round tables and stuff, but it was like, they were goofing around, like throwing paper, uh, airplanes, wow. like this kind of stuff. It was mental. And I was just like, I wasn't the only one running, running the workshop at that time. So there were a few of us and we were just like, what is happening here? And I had to be like, can you sit down, sir? <laughs> like talking to a man who's twice my age being like, um, excuse me, sir, could you act like an adult? It was crazy. So that's, which is kind of funny. Those are usually my like worst 
experiences are always when people just are being unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I feel like a workshop always brings up these kind of um, intense moments where oh. people, you know, it's always challenging. And I like that about it. So those are not my bad experiences. My best experience. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I'll just say, like, I don't know if I have one best experience, but I will just say that um, one thing that always left me feeling really, really great after a workshop is we used to do this. And this is an AJ and Smart story. So we used to go around and do workshops and trainings um, at all these really cool companies, like I mentioned. And uh, they were always like these big, very serious companies as well, mm -hmm. or not always, but a lot of times. Um, and what we used to do at the end of all of our trainings is we gave everybody like these really silly certificates that were like, you completed this training from AJ and Smart and you know, whatever. And they were like signed by us and stuff. And then we, we did like an award ceremony where we played, okay. we are the champions, uh, really loudly in the room and called out every person one by one. And they, we told them you have to like jump up. Like it's like you're receiving the best award ever. You have to run down. We made them like give us high fives and like all this like ridiculous stuff. We were taking photos and we made it like this big production. And I remember every time we did this, you know, people were laughing and they're having such a good time. And these are people like often in like, like German corporate companies, you <laughs> yeah, know, where they're yeah. like in suits and whatever. And they got so into it. It was so fun. Mm. And that's the kind of power I think of uh, that can really happen in workshops mm. is it really lets everybody kind of forget that they're, you know, I have to be corporate John at work now, mm. you know, and they kind of just relax and become people. Um, and yeah, so that would, that would be my, yeah, that, my story there. That's the power of what we call serious play, right? So, yeah, yeah. And and I feel maybe one of the things that is always misinterpreted when we try to and I'm trying to make sense of of your experience because either people take it how do we say that don't take it seriously. So they they mm -hmm. think is a moment of you know, okay, yeah. somebody paid for us to have a small vacation. Yeah, uh, exactly. Or on the other side uh they when they realize what is serious play uh they really figure things out because i i always try to to mm -hmm. share this little thought i would say anecdote if you look at kids when they are playing like toddlers they're very serious they they don't they don't yeah, laugh they true. don't jump they, they are very serious they are very very concentrated and the big difference is that let let's say you look you watch and, and I I often if I have the chance I do this. Uh you watch them, you observe them, and you let's say they are doing construction with Lego or something. Yeah. They are super yeah. serious because they want to figure it out. They are super serious because they want to figure something out. Yeah. And, and that's the part of serious play. But when they don't, and this is the the big difference when we grow up until when um, beside it when we are kids when they don't they don't make a big scene out of it they just start over it was like okay this didn't work fine let me try something else that's right yeah. and, and i feel that in work today and this is this links to business design and growth hacking and, and the kind of innovation that I, i'm trying to to coach to these new leaders is you don't have to feel that failure is something is a demonstration of incapacity let's put it this way you know like yeah. like okay you fail at doing something and this means i'm stupid it's not like that there are they they it could be that you didn't dedicate enough effort to the enough attention absolutely mm -hmm. but it could mm -hmm. also be that the condition were not right that somebody else did something better that yeah. you were not completely knowledgeable about the subject. So uh, I feel that this, this iteration of things and, and embracing failure, there is one, one, um, one chapter in the book that I talk about, uh, the, the beauty of sustainable failure, I call it, right? So you have to keep on reiterating and trying to fail. And this is something that I suffer uh, a lot from. Uh, and I have to make a confession because you shared an article about procrastination 
And, yeah. and it's super funny that you, you know, sometimes you get the information that you need right. You need. You know, right. I love that. It's my favorite <laughs> and thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, Britney did this. And, you know, I was reading and uh, I forgot to, to text you, actually, because I really wanted to to answer to you. And, and I was a little bit, I was trying to figure this thing out and I wanted to make it nice and et cetera. And I was like, yeah. There is zero chance that I'm going to make this thing nice because I never done it. It's like zero chance. And the the more effort I put in trying to do this the right way, the worse is, you know, I was just delaying and delaying and procrastinating and and trying to find that little piece of And then the bigger you're... Yeah. You're like wanting it to be even better yeah. the longer you procrastinate, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Oh. It was the yeah. worst. And then at one point, it was like, I don't have a beef, but, you know, screw yeah. it. And I was like, it's going to be shitty. It's going to be shitty, right? And, and in one second, like, honestly, something that I was procrastinating for, I don't know, two weeks, in four days, I was like, done. And I was like, it's awesome. shitty. And it, and it wasn't as shitty as I thought. And yeah. it wasn't, of course, it wasn't as good, but, but at least I've done it once. And in the process of doing this, I learned and I was like, okay, yeah. next time I don't have to do this. And next time, and this is something very practical as well. Like I'm trying to figure this video setup thing and, 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 you know, I bought the wrong thing because I, I put something on my desk and then. And, and I, I bumped the desk so the camera moves and it was like, ah, that doesn't work, you know, and uh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's stupid things. But you learn there was zero chance that I could have known that by reading the exact same problem that I had. And I totally, you know, I do that. I did it. And I was like, ah, OK, I wasted 25 euro on a, on a desk arm. OK, fuck it. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. And really. Cool. How do you think, how can we, how can we give an advice uh, to the companies or, or entrepreneurs or directors or creatives that follow us on one best practice in either, I, I let you choose either on the workshops or on content creation, or if you want to be super generous, you can do both. Um. <laughs> I actually, one thing, this is something that I've just been thinking about a lot lately, um, this one sort of special thing. Um, So maybe I'll talk about that because I think it kind of crosses almost everything. Um, And I think that one thing, and I know like I'm truly trying to do this more or as often as possible, and I think that more people should do it, is think about ways... Like, I think it should be a best practice for us all to think about ways that we can, like, shoehorn a little bit more of these highlight moments into our work, Mm. into our, you know, colleagues' lives, into, you know, whatever. But, like, for me right now, that is my big thing because I think, like, it's all I'm thinking about because... Life, you know, in certain parts of the world, life is still like we're still living in a pandemic. We're still it's very, you know, can we often be a bit dull? It can be a bit mundane. We're doing the same things all the time. And one thing that I've learned that really works for me in so many sides of my of my uh, business. So whether I'm running a workshop, whether I'm making, um, a video, you know, content, something for social media, whether I'm having a meeting with a client or coaching, uh, doing coaching calls of some kind, I'm always thinking about what is the highlight here? Like what are, what is one thing that I could do in this scenario that would leave people with a little bit more energy or would would be something that people would comment on or would be like, oh, that was so cool or what, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that we should all do that like a little bit more, especially right now, um, because it's just otherwise, why, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) let's make it a little bit more special. And I think that when it comes to client services, we need to think about those things a little bit more often. How can I make my client's experience with us a little bit extra special? What are some actual highlight moments? Mm. You probably, of course, have read the book, um, Power of Moments, or at least maybe you've heard of it. 
Yeah, it's like amazing. This book, Chip and Dan Heath. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are the authors? Um, I, I don't know so, if I read that. I I read Made to Stick and Switch. Ah, uh, okay. Is yeah, it the yeah, latest yeah. one? Uh, hold on. Power of Moments. Let me make sure that it's Chip and Dan Heath and I didn't just give you the wrong. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, we are going to put uh, it in the, that's why the beauty of podcasts, we can do show notes. I love it. <laughs> right? Exactly. Show notes. So, but basically they talk about how you need to um, really think about, so people in general, when they have any kind of an experience, um, they can have a really mundane experience, like really average but if there's one thing, one really great thing that happened in that whole experience, like mm. whatever, it can be very small. They actually remember the entire experience as being really great. Absolutely. So it's something that is really, yeah, Chip and Dan Heath, that's it. Um, so it's something that is, uh, we should consider a lot more anybody who's working with people. It True. should be something that we're, we're thinking about, you know? So Absolutely. there you go. A book recommendation sure. and something wow. to think about. That's amazing. What can I ask more <laughs> of that? Well, first of all, I'm going to make a pledge that as soon as we can, because we are so close now, we, because you're in Berlin, I'm in yeah. Milan. Absolutely. I want to have you here in Milan or the other way cool. around. I'm going to cook an amazing Italian meal for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would course. be incredible. And that would be so awesome. Yeah. And, and I, have a, I have a couple of students down there, uh, up there in Berlin. So oh, I'm cool. going to come and visit them soon. Perfect. And, Perfect. That would be so cool. And the, Brittany, it, I was thinking, how do you think we can live the... You kind of gave us the, the your golden rule already in the power of moments. That was my That's last question. True. Now, okay. the, the, the last thing is, the, do you see how even more canonical corporations or actually I want to drive this to, to another direction, which is uh, when it comes to your experience in, in helping brands through content, right? Mm -hmm. so let's say... I'm trying to launch one of the struggle that I have is I get, you know, you have, you're running the business, you're trying mm -hmm. to do a lot of things and sometimes content creation becomes daunting or, or, yeah. or you don't feel the, I, I can talk for my experience, you know, either you feel that you are, uh, giving away too much and which is mm -hmm. not the case but or you are mm -hmm. you know you you want to make things perfect and then you mm -hmm. say oh you know it's gonna take me so long to mm -hmm. do the video or or do you know should i start a youtube channel or not mm -hmm. or should i stick to what i do or whatever and so what are your advice on on this uh so funny that you ask that because um, I just did a webinar last night that was basically all about this exact problem. Because these are what you were describing. These are exactly the kinds of issues so I'm dealing with all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, so the thing, like I have a lot to say about this topic. I could literally talk <laughs> for 45 minutes about it. But um, I think that some of the things uh, that I talked about last night that I think I, are really poignant or would really help uh, in this kind of situation is realizing that as a B2B, um, if you're looking at B2B content, you need to remember that because I think that we have this whole idea of like, okay, when I put something out on social media, I, it needs to get a lot of likes. It needs to get a lot of views. It needs to, you know, blow up in order for there to be an impact right? In order for them there to be, in order for me to get closer to my goal, it needs to, you know, explode. And that's something that really doesn't need to happen. Actually, if you're targeting properly, it's not about reaching a ton of people. True. Um, especially if you're an agency that's, you know, you probably can only support a certain amount of clients. It's really just about targeting the right people and True. getting their attention. So I think that we have this idea and, and it's, of course, been ingrained in us, this whole, like, counting likes, counting followers, yada, yada. Um, it's, it's, it's dangerous because you will lose focus really quickly. You'll feel anxious. You'll just give up because you feel like you're not getting anywhere. And that's probably right when you were mm. about to really 
get somewhere, yeah. you know? So I think that you need to reframe the way that you see content. The other thing, of course, is that you need to make it a priority. That's that's like with goes without saying, obviously. You need to set some time aside where it actually – uh, where you can like, and enough time that you can actually get something done. Um, but not, of course, it, you, it needs to be enough, uh, not too much time that it's going to really be so daunting. And so, um, you know, it's going to take up so much of your precious time as a small, you know, sure. business owner. So, um, yeah, that's another thing that you need to think about for me personally, if I don't have like a solid plan in place for myself, it's just not going to happen. So I'm a big believer in like getting started and just going for it and don't worry until you have the perfect plan in place. But when it comes to doing content and having, you know, doing, uh, releasing things regularly and actually, actually, you know, seeing these things happen, I need a plan and I need it to be True. feasible even in my busiest weeks. Right. Absolutely. So, um, I think it's super important to, to do that for yourself as well. Um, you need to be a little more strategic cause you don't have a ton of time. Um, so you need to be strategic about the topics that you post about, you know, the things that you're talking about, your, your talking points. Um, but yeah, there are so many things you can do and you don't actually need to do that much in right. order to really see the benefits. So I think that's the biggest misconception. Um, and I just launched my, uh, Content Lab. Did Aha, you know that, Gianluca? I didn't know it's so that. crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> we are going to link yeah. that into GLC Live on the podcast cool. with Brittany. So you can get all this wonderful content that Brittany wants to share with us. And Woo-hoo. if you are really, really, really tight in time, you can always just give her a call and she will figure yeah. that out. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and jumping on what you were saying. First of all, I want to know more about your content lab or mm-hmm. w- what you were saying is the famous article, you know, uh, from um, Kevin Kelly, 1000 True Fans. You know, now yes. we believe that you need to have 10,000, 1 billion followers. But in reality, if you do have that 1000 people that truly, truly, truly care, and he makes this example that those 1000 people are the 1000 that, you know, they, 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 drive cross country to come and watch you uh, play. He was making this analogy of a music band and they are Mm -hmm. the ones that buy the special edition. They are the ones that buy the t-shirt at every concert. Mm -hmm. So big time. Is that what you basically what you were saying, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that we often forget that Um, when it comes to social media for business, social media for business is just an extension of your network. Like it's just a networking tool, right? So it's, it's, you know, instead of us thinking, oh, we need to become influencers and we need to, right. You can still position yourself as an expert in your, you know, in your industry, as someone who is worth talking to about certain subjects, you can do that without having a bajillion followers and getting hundreds and hundreds of likes on everything you put out. So I think we need to just reframe the way that we're thinking about that. Um, but yeah, having true fans, people who, you know, that that's the that's the the ultimate goal yeah. for sure that you're looking so to. So what's your towards. content lab? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'm super excited because I've been uh, consulting, doing content consulting for the past couple of years, helping um, agencies, kind of small to mid-sized companies in the B2B space, helping them differentiate themselves with content. So basically helping them build brands for them, build their brands, right? A little bit, expand their network, let's say. Um, And, um, you know, I get approached by a lot of um, companies who are in a similar space, you know, they're, they need that extra push. They need a little bit of direction. They need a place to someone to kind of, you know, um, just help them along, True. give them a bit of coaching, a bit of consulting as they're, as they're kind of going through this whole journey. Um, and so I realized, you know, what would be super powerful, not only because of course I only have so much time in the day, of so course. I can only, you know, it's nice to turn what I do into a little bit more of a, you know, something, um, scalable, True. but it's more than that really, because actually what I've found when it comes to content is, um, when you have this kind of accountability with like a group of people, whether it's even just one person, but it, or maybe it's a, a small group, you are really going to be pushing yourself a lot more than if the only person who's 
you know, kind of asking you how your content's going is yourself, right? True. So it's really kind of this, uh, basically a program that uh, takes you through ha- uh, building your own content strategy. So based on your own business goals, what you want to get out of it, you create your content strategy and plan. Um, and then it uh, it includes basically three months of um, really in-depth content coaching mm-hmm. with me in kind of small group environment awesome. um, where where we're rolling out your content plan and we're like as it's going on you're getting this kind of real live coaching uh, as it's happening so that's one thing I did not want to build a course True. that no one's gonna watch the whole thing and it's gonna be a total you know whatever people will buy it but it's not really going to change anything for people. I wanted to build a program where it actually True. would impact people, motivate them, and actually be helpful. True. Um, so that that's what I released uh, yesterday. Wow. Believe it or not. Jeff, oh, my gosh. We are going to link that. We are going to link that. Absolutely. <laughs> really, cool. it, it was absolutely fantastic having you here. Uh, one last question then, because you, you basically responded to the golden rule. Is... Um, Jake really funny. <laughs> Jake Knapp. Jake Knapp is literally one of the nicest human beings I think I've ever come across. He's so kind and so gracious. And, you know, I know he comes across like that all the time, but that is actually just what he's like always. always. Um, and he is funny, but he has that kind of like dad sense of humor. Oh, you know really? I mean? And he'd be, he'd be the first one to tell you yeah. that. He does, he's not like, he doesn't have an edgy sense of humor, mm. let's just say. <laughs> I would love to have. Which makes him even more likable. <laughs> I would love to have him. He, uh, I would love to have him on the show. That would be yeah. so fun. <laughs> you might be surprised. You should maybe reach out to him. Yeah, maybe. I'll try. <laughs> I'll you try. should. You totally should. Yeah. <laughs> he's Bri- very, very nice. Yeah. Brittany, Thank you so, so much. Um, I'm a super fan of yours. I'm following you. Your content is amazing. So if we want to follow you, where can we find you? Where is the best place? Either on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Instagram. And it's just my full name on both platforms. Awesome. So yeah, either one. So I was. It was so nice. What a nice conversation. Thank, <laughs> thank you so, you much, so for much for having so me. Brittany <laughs> is at Brittany Bowering, BR. I-T-T-N-I-B-O-W-E-R-I-N-G. That's it. That's it. And also, we are going to link all this uh, interesting stuff that Brittany talked about in GLC Live. I'm Gianluca Cinque Palmi. Thank you so much for Brittany. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much.